Welcome to season two of We Are All Americans, conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis. Episode one of season two was recorded via video chat with Jada Amina, who was in Chicago while I was in Los Angeles. I hope you enjoy it. Yes, I'm very happy to be speaking with you. Really excited about the podcast and the dialogues that you've been having. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. So why don't we start with, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family background and if you know the story of how your ancestors came to the U.S. Yeah, so I feel pretty, I'm privileged to have pretty expansive um, knowledge about my family history, particularly on my father's side. So a lot of my family are indigenous to America. So that's super important to me and something that I've been engaging with in recent years and what that means as like a citizen of America. Um, Mm. Or I should say the United States. I try not to like even in my language, it takes so it takes so much to decolonize my language and talking yeah, about yeah, and that yeah that term. I I also am really aware that that term American is super complicated when you look at all the nations within the the Americas plural. Yeah, plural, <laughs> plural. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating how the United States co-opted that word and sort of made it their own as if like there's not many land masses that are part of the Americas as if they're yeah, not yeah. as if it's one nation right even the land mass right. that we're on like North America is not just one nation it's so for many tribes so and I'm Native American on my father's mother's side and my mother's father and mother mm. <laughs> so, so I'm on both um, sides so yeah, on both yeah. sides. Um, and I was actually having a conversation with one of my family members who is undocumented, who is from the Coahuichol tribe and is a Native American woman. And we were talking about getting my tribal card and how problematic it is for me, um, but what it means to be acknowledged as a Native American by the United States. Like, what does it mean to have rights to a nation and have that verified by a nation that I believe is a false nation that was robbed from, I mean, that is the product of genocide and rape of my ancestors. So, like, that's, it was interesting that I was just having that conversation en route. My grandmother is of African and Native ancestry and just how oral tradition had to be stopped for survival purposes like there are just some things that people didn't talk about because they couldn't because it meant you know that there was some sort of record and how fascinating that is to yeah the lack of oral tradition be so vital to survival um for black folks in the south mind you they are um from arkansas my grandmother was born in arkansas in 1933 so just like i can't even imagine what the climate was for her siblings in her and she was the youngest I think her elder sibling was at least 20 years older than her um and not having that information not like speaking on family history because they couldn't due to the fact that my my maternal grandmother's father 
killed a white man and had to skip town um, and had to change his name. My maternal grandmother's mom passed away when she was 18 months of pneumonia. So, but I do know that she was a Native American woman who was four foot one and so very small woman who had very long hair um, and had her first child around the age of 13. She was married. Yeah, she was married. And my grandfather had to be around 13 or 14 as well when they started this family. Um, Currently, (laughs) um, kind of sitting on an ancestry kit that I'm excited to help her with. She's five and uh, her one of her nieces who's I think in her 60s late 60s is really kind of the family historian and is really passionate about us finding that that lost history and connecting the dots so there's just this time lapse or decollage that my family experiences when we go back generations that we're making up for, I guess, um, and, and tracking people just with the last same last name, like who were <laughs> your people? Do you know how you ended up in the state that you're in? Because there's the last name Scaife, which is my grandmother's maiden name. I mean, they're, we're spread across and I believe there's, it's a Scottish uh, language of origin. So there's folks from all over. There's a lot of white folks with the name. We're like, do you know if you ever own slaves? Do you know if, you're, if you have Native American ancestry? And my my cousin Thelma, my grandmother's niece, is really good about that. So I'm excited about that. And I know a lot about that as far as how that my African ancestors got here. All I know is that they made it here on the Middle Passage and were able to survive brutality and that's kind of all I know when it comes to my grandmother's side and the same with my grandfather I know that um, he's of African and Native ancestry he's also from Arkansas born in 1936 and I would say my idea of Black American life was really founded by his family, like being around that side of my family really established like, okay, this is how I navigate the world as, or this is how black life looks. I won't say for me, I have a very different story from a lot of my family on that side. And he's the only, uh, no, he has a younger sister who went to college, but my grandfather has his PhD and the rest of his siblings did not go to college besides that like one younger sister. Um, So, our lives just look very different because of that difference in mm. what our the, the elders did or what they could do. Like my grandfather and my grandmother migrated to Chicago from Arkansas. Um, actually, my grandmother moved to Oakland with her older, older sister from Arkansas after her father passed away when she was 18. And my grandfather and her were like sending love letters and in a long distance relationship. And they were like, hey, let's take a ferry to Mississippi. And then get a car and drive up to Chicago and live there. And they ended up buying property and my grandpa got his PhD. I, I don't even know if I really think back to where we come from on that side because there's so many of us. He's one of 17, 14 of his siblings survived to adulthood. And I have hundreds of cousins. Um, my, I think my grand, my mother has over 30 first cousins. And I know that I have at least 89 second cousins. So 
with family that big. It's like, well, I know all y'all. And I don't really think that I, and my grandmother lived to, my great grandmother, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather's mom lived to be around 108. And there's just so many that I don't know if we're thinking that. And there's so many babies being born because there's so many of us. There's so many generations that are still here. Um, So I don't know if we're looking back, but that's something that I definitely want to talk to my grandfather's oldest sister about uh, while she's still around because she's in her late 90s, mid to late 90s, um, and would potentially know something. Do you think it's almost like there's so many of you, why bother mapping it? If you just walk together and you're all related? I mean, I think that when it comes to, I don't know if it's a priority for that side of my family just because surviving is sort of the everyday thing for a lot of the folks on that side of my family for many reasons and taking care and not surviving just as like getting by every day, but making sure that our, our like kin is getting by. Like it's a very, very close knit family. Um, they're very tight. I'm not as close to them, but I grew up knowing like those are my cousins. Like, so I wouldn't say that. so amazing to have such a big family. My family yeah. feels sort of small in comparison. Yeah, my and that's just one side. So like, there's <laughs> so many of us. And um, I do know that it's a consideration because we're interested in preserving the family that we do have. That I will say that like through family reunions and like mm-hmm. archiving that, we've always been... My grandfather actually started the family reunions back in the early 80s. Um, just like bringing all of us together and... We have a family church that my grandfather and his brothers built. So family is definitely important. I think it's more of like preserving the history that we do have because oral tradition is important. But due to the climate that they grew up in, the Deep South, Jim Crow. So for safety reasons, talking too much and telling kids stuff just wasn't. Adults did not talk to kids. Um, And that's like across my family lines on both sides but it's definitely something that I'm interested in engaging with but because I have access to more history I've really pulled from my father's side um my father actually just met my father's father's siblings and all my cousins on that side this summer which was great my oh wow got divorced um in the 90s like right before I was born but like my grandfather just didn't keep in touch after that. Um, yeah. and they didn't have the best relationship. So it's been, hasn't, wasn't once again, not a real consideration for me. I kind of accepted that early on because I had active grandparents on my mother's side and an active grandmother on my father's side. So I was like, okay, I want, I always thought it was kind of weird that I didn't have that because I had this guy's last name too. Mm-hmm. And I did not know him. I think I met him once or twice when I was, under three years old so yeah doesn't count obviously so wait so it was just that your grandfather was out of touch or was your father also out of touch I would say it was my grandfather I think my dad made a couple of attempts there was just they didn't really have a close relationship yeah was your father in touch with you too? yeah I grew up in touch with my father my okay. parents got divorced when I was 10 um and I'm very close to my grandfather I'm sorry not my grandfather but my paternal grandmother yeah um, like, I'm very 
like that is where I draw most of my formation of identity from. I wouldn't say like American identity because it's very specific to being Creole and having West Indian heritage, which is what I can talk the most about. They're really proud Creole people. So my paternal grandmother's father's name was Nicolas George. um, And he was a man who spoke very little English. He spoke French fluently, um, which my grandmother didn't know until she was dating a man. Was she dating him? So her or my, or one of her sisters was dating this man. No, my aunt Sharon was dating a man who was Haitian and he spoke French and he told my grandma and her sister, like, hey, you know that your dad speaks perfect French? And they were like, no, he speaks Creole. And he was like, no, he speaks Creole and French. He also went to Mass in Latin. So either he, the story is that he was either really, and he was a Catholic man. Um, he was either too drunk to notice or he spoke Latin too, but there was just a, there was a language barrier within their household. He was a very kind man, like many men of the time who were Creole and really poor and trying to support eight kids, was alcoholic <laughs> um, and worked on the railroad. He was excellent at math. I know that. And they called him Tony, which I don't know how you get that from Stanislaus. <laughs> they did. And the kid, his kids called him Tony. His wife, my great-grandmother, who lit, who passed away in 2013, I grew up knowing her very well. Um, her name was Picola Antoinette Bonhomme, so another, like, very French hmm. colonial <laughs> name. Um, not that Stanislaus is, because that's a completely German name, um, which I don't, like, I can't tell you where that comes from, other than, like, I, I just can't, because all of his siblings have, like, Hilda and, like, um, Belzebar, Belazar, I'm sorry, um, just a bunch of, like, German names on that side. So, Picola Antoinette Bonhomme, um, that last name means good, good man. So, I think that's, like, really interesting. I'm always thinking about changing, because I don't go by my paternal grandfather's last name. I'm always looking to, like, will I adopt a family name? Mm. Um, but I'm always conflicted, because I am so close to that side like my creole heritage but it's also colonial (laughs) i don't know if i take on another name that is not indigenous to me but i am proud of like my family name like i yeah i'm totally really proud of that can you Um, elaborate then why you don't use it yeah well i don't like it i don't like my last name um i don't i never thought it was cute i also used to get teased about it so that's probably where the formation started and then like once again I did not know my grandfather so like why would I take on you know that was always my like I don't even know this guy I don't even know if he likes me like I don't even know um and sort of and then the biggest thing just being like oh that's totally a slave master's name yeah like why do I have that attached to me um and I've definitely been thinking through like the process of changing my name um and I have some like heavy contenders like what I want to change my name to I've also just thought about like going the 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 x route and just like not until I find a name that really resonates with me or potentially having an 
a naming ceremony and having an elder of my community bless me with the name or finding it, you know, like, because I don't want to just pick a name out of a hat. It's, it's really important to me. Names are very important and I would love for my children to inherit that name. Um, I also think about like, put, when I start a family, hopefully my idea of a family is starting it with someone or multiple people is sort of like having a, a family name and waiting till I have kids to come up with, a name with my partner yeah totally because I'm not gonna take (laughs) anyone's name like I just that can't happen so (laughs) I get it it's like I didn't change my name when I got married because my husband and I had been together for 10 years before yeah yeah and I was like I have my career with this last name but I also I don't know my dad's side of the family because I didn't grow up with him and, and I know him, but not that I didn't know him very well as a kid. So I understand that sort of that like sense of like, I don't feel connected to being a jackless, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I've been a jackless for 43 years. What else would I pick? But I'm not changing to my husband because that seems patriarchal. Yeah. And about I'm just like, why? Like, I don't know why. Ownership, right? Like, it's super complicated. My mom. Yeah, I think it is complicated. My mom wanted to change her name when she got divorced to go back to her maiden name, and my sister and I were like, "Ooh, can we change our names too?" She's like, "Oh, yeah. this is going to be too much." And she, uh, you're not off the hook. <laughs> you're always going to be a jackass. Yeah, no, I, I just, I think that's the perfect way to talk about it. I, I like this idea. I've been ad- adopting messy. I love that word. I, I think it's super adjacent to the word fluid um, yeah. or they're, they're in conversation with each other. And I, I think being a child of diaspora of the Americas and of Africa is, is messy. It's complicated. It's, it's fluid. There's just a lot there that I don't know if it, I don't know how I will go about reconciling, you know, stuff for myself um, and stuff being just, what it means to be a product of so much violence mm-hmm. which is one way to look at it um which is a very which is an important way like i have to accept, like come to terms with that a lot of my ancestors my grandmother actually sent me a list oh my god my paternal grandmother actually sent me a list of people that were related to and most of them were from nova scotia um, and I found out that there was a huge black community in Nova Scotia in the late, not huge, but significant, I should say, population of black folks living in Nova Scotia in the late 1800s, which is like these people in this list. I, I know that that was just a jump, but I was like, oh, my God, that happened. Um, and how messy that is. Because like, what more, do I do with that information? What, what did you say? That's That's more part of the diaspora. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so big, and and placing myself in it and locating myself, I identify as a black Southside Chicagoan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how. Before I'm an American, I really don't identify as an American. I just my moving moving to LA and having um, experiences at Otis and around Otis and around LA really like I had always felt like that because Chicago, Southside Chicago being a black Southside Chicagoan, like all of those things individually and cohesively are so specific. 
Like, it does not get more specific than a Black South side Chicago, and there's a whole language. And, I mean, you can find that everywhere, but I've traveled to most of the 50 states. Like, spent time in my grandmother, my paternal grandmother worked for Amtrak. So when I was a kid, I would travel with her everywhere. She didn't just work for Amtrak. She, like, managed the Midwestern region and then the Southeastern region. So I went a lot of places. Were you born and raised in Chicago? I am was born and raised in Chicago, totally. It feels spiritual. It feels like something that's my blood. And it's really accessible, too. You know, I can, I can locate myself in a way that I can never really achieve. You know, I can't really achieve that in my Native Americanness or in my Africanness. Um, because I don't know it. I just wasn't born of it. But I can locate myself yeah. as a Black Southside Chicagoan and as a Black femme person because that's even, like, I think that just that whole sentence in every bio, that's like the way stuff starts out. Because it's just, you can locate me to a place, you can locate me to a politic or several, you can locate me to a dialect immediately by that sentence. So I'm really passionate about that. The folks in Nova Scotia, I'm curious about. I'm like, what were we doing there? <laughs> I'm like, I want to see your face. I want to see how you dressed, um, what you ate. Um, but I just, I can't, I can't, I don't feel that in the same way that I feel my Black Southside Chicagoness. And I think that that's important to say yeah, I think I was talking about, yeah, the Nova Scotia thing and how my great-grandmother, on my grandmother's side, on my, on my paternal grandmother's side, so her great-grandmother um, spoke German and, oh, actually, that was just her grandmother. Her grandmother spoke German and an indigenous tongue and had people who spoke German, white folks with blue eyes and blonde hair who are her cousins who would come visit her. I don't even know how that works out in in Louisiana in the 40s, but that would happen. She, like, her siblings remember it. She's, I think, the third oldest. So her older, the older ones remember, like, I think the first five remember every birthday would have these white folks come in. They were their family members, and they would speak German. And they didn't know what they were saying, but that was just, like, a part of it. And my grandmother is a very dark woman with very native features, very native-looking hair texture, um, Afro-native, but native none the least. Mm -hmm. And her grandmother was passe blanc. She didn't choose to pass for white, so passe blanc means pass for white. Or we had some family that chose to pass, but my, like, closest family did not. They were like, no, we're actually Black. Please never get it confused. There's a lot going on. Like, that just seems like a messy situation to, like, be a very dark child and see your grandmother, like, call, invite these people who would bring her gifts into her home, these, like, Anglo-Saxon white folks <laughs> come into your home and they're like, yeah, these are your cousins who come visit what, you. Like, what does that it's mean? It's like, now that's not a big deal, but at that time period right. that that's a big deal and it wasn't a big deal to they i mean it was like okay well that's peculiar but the the town that we grew up in is was a there's still signs up in french or not we i i spent a lot of time growing up in cape louisiana which is 
the the setting that I'm describing. This is where all this mess takes place. But there's still signs up in French. There's still mass in Latin. There's still mass in French. That's 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 just how things are. I think the governor, the governor who was assassinated, ended up being assassinated years later. Um, I think actually it might have been like less than a year later after he made this statement was a man who was white, who could pass for white, but knew he had African ancestry, said, if I had a nickel for every person in this town who was not a descendant of a slave, I would not be able to go get a lunch at the lunch counter in St. Martinville, which is the parish that um, you kind of reigned over, I guess. And white folks did not like that one. They were like, wait, who? Mind you, this is the 50s, so a a sandwich at a lunch counter could not have been more than $5. So if you're saying the whole town, if you had a nickel for the people, the population in that town, you couldn't buy a sandwich. You're saying that very few people don't have African ancestry. And that's just the truth. There's so many folks who are of mixed descent through, like, forced you know, relationships and relationships that were completely consensual and that were messy. It's just a messy, a messy history. Um, and I mean, even still, my grandmother gets very frustrated when telling these stories because she didn't learn Creole like a lot of her first cousins did because her mother was like, no, I don't want you to have the accent. I don't want you to I want you to have opportunities and you're not going to learn this language. And, and she still, she knows it because she grew up around folks who spoke it her parents spoke it when they were arguing and didn't want the kids to know so she can pick up on some things but it's definitely not fluent um that's exactly how my grandparents spoke yiddish yeah it was totally just so that this is their secret language that they don't want us to know when they're fighting yeah i can't say i completely understand but i could imagine what that meant to them and and how that you know lack of that, that not passing on tradition, um, breaking tradition, I should say, was a, was a part of survival, was essential to survival. It's just, it's just an unfortunate thing because there's, I, I have a living aunt who is my great grandfather, Tony or Stanislaus's youngest sister, who's still living. She's 94 and practice is archiving and is, locating myself within a black history within a in a history um that word is like oh it's so patriarchal (laughs) (laughs) but just locating myself um so I do want to interview her and I and on VHS because that's the medium I'm working right now um and learn try to pick up a few words in Creole because she's fluent all of her kids speak it her great 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 grandkids speak Creole. So I have little cousins who are three years old who speak Creole. I mean, there's there my I have cousins who are in French immersion classes. That's great. My sister and I talk a lot about the way we grew up because we spent our summers there. So there's a lot of Chicago, Black Chicago that I like. <laughs> by September first, I was like, "Wait, how you do that dance?" Because I was in rural Louisiana riding tractors <laughs> for fun. <laughs> like, so that's the new song, and so. Yeah, and and even that three months, you know, two to three months, it was usually three months. Like, I think a lot of times we would end up starting school and leaving school early to spend our summers down there with broken English and, like, 
knowing the tradition and like practicing very hyper femme grooming creole grooming practices which i still like i have come out as two-spirit i'm a non-binary person um and that i've always known that like i think like most people who are non-binary but did not have the language for and once again like through engaging with my indigenous heritage was able to find that language like oh my god no i totally have ancestors who were non-binary that's great you know so like it's called a toilette it being this grooming practice i wouldn't even say it's a it's 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 a it's an etiquette i should say that my i do know that my paternal grand great grandparents came to the americas through the west indies Mm. through virginia there's like a story that one of my one of the matriarchs of my great-grandfather's family was sold into slavery nine times and was like was brutally raped brutally assaulted um and bore many children from her slave master and that's how we became so i do heavily identify with being west indian too which is important Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was talking to another one of my friends who is West Indian, or she is first generation American. Her mother is an immigrant. Um, and I was talking about earrings. I was like, oh my God, I have to make sure I put my earrings in this particular spot so that I remember to put them on because that's part of my toilet. And I was like, oh my God, what did I just say? <laughs> Wait, I think that's this part of it. So, I, yeah. Okay. What, do you, what do you think about what's happening in this country politically? What? <laughs> Gosh, um, I've not been tapped in, and it's vote. That did not. I knew that I wasn't gonna vote. Probably a year ago, did I vote? Yesterday, yesterday. No, who I know is yesterday. (laughs) I do know that. I don't know much, but I do know that it was yesterday. I don't remember. I remember the last time I voted was when the Trump thing happened. And um, I remember being terrified. Like, I was, like, yesterday I was thinking, I was like, two years ago today, or was it November? It it was, okay. I was bawling into my then partner's arms. Mm. Like, we're going to die. This is terrible. Um, And... Quickly going to going to school and like having like just the reactions were all like y'all people are fucking crazy because all of the responses were like this is gonna be the worst time in America and I can't believe this is gonna happen I was like wait a second uh uh-uh. uh I'm Native American hmm. so. The worst thing, like, I actually have nothing to be scared of because I've survived that shit. So, like, we good over here. And, like, not that I'm not concerned about. I'm extremely political. Yeah. And anyone that follows me on anything or has had a conversation with me is like, oh, that bitch is political. But I just don't believe in – it's not even a belief. I don't – I I just feel – there's a saying um, that I just looked up yesterday because I was like, fuck, it's a great saying. And I was like, let me Google it. And it is, I don't have to do shit but be black and die. And that is my motto. I'm like, that's all I have to fucking do. I think that my resistance looks differently. And I, you know, 
I'm not excited about people who participate in government, but I know that most of my loved ones do. And I know that I was just participating in the voting system, but I have undocumented family mm-hmm. who are native folks. And my cousin in particular, my older cousin, I mean, she's a, she's a scholar and has written a lot about and done a lot of research on like what it means to be native and undocumented, <laughs> like, which is like, how does that like to even say that out loud is like, wait, what? Like it gets, it's a mess. It's a fucking mess. And I mean, John Trudell, and you have a bunch of elders, um, Native American elders who have just to participate, it would be treason to my nation. That's, that's how strongly I feel about it to participate in a system that is responsible for the rape and genocide of my people just doesn't seem like my way of resisting. And I personally envision a future for this false nation that just, you know, we, we're here now. I understand that. I am an American citizen, so we got to deal with that. Like, I can't deny it. As much as I want to, I'm like, eh. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with it. I believe that we can organize outside of that system. So I, like, choose to, like, give my money to certain things. I'm vegan. I'm pretty sure you remember that part about me um, <laughs> for very political reasons and for very spiritual reasons. And I, and I, it just looks different than voting for me. So... And I've had a lot of conversations about that. I like got really upset because so many people sent me messages like or screenshots of this tweet that's been floating around and similar sentiments. Like, cause there's many um, that this very, I find to be so condescending. Even if you didn't vote, I still love you. And I'm like, what's the fuck? Thank you. <laughs> what? Thank you so much. I'm so glad that your love for me is not dependent on me fucking voting. That is nuts. That is really, really crazy. So yeah, I've, it's been really frustrating. I had someone that I worked with ask me yesterday, who's actually like a higher up. And like, you're not supposed to talk about fucking politics at work. Like yeah. you're just, that's like yeah. a thing I've always heard, but people do it. They're like, why are you vegan? I'm like, you don't want to know. It's not going to be a good conversation. <laughs> please don't ask me these questions don't ask me if I voted I'm gonna because then immediately it was like oh my god how could you and it was like you don't want to know my answer <laughs> like once again like it would be treason to me to me to me to me well it feels I, like yeah. your explanation also for why you would not register as a Native American because it's yeah. participating in the system yeah and as a black person I'm like what the fuck like I, w- I feel like I would be complicit and I'm not, I know that voting does, it does work. It does. I, I've never said that it doesn't too. I think people are like, so what are your reasons? And like my one, I don't answer to that. Like I just, I got asked to do an interview, which I'm considering doing on like why I don't want to vote, but I'm like, I actually don't owe you that fucking answer. But you know, plain and simple as an indigenous African person, and an indigenous indigenous native person, this country was literally funded on death, like on just like mm-hmm. yeah, like extreme violence and brutality. And like I think that voting in a broken system is a very slow way to go about things. And also, I had other things to do. Like I think that's also another. <laughs> like, there's so much I did yesterday besides that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's all. That's all. So yeah, I think, and in the wake of like everything, I haven't been tuned in, but it's kind of 
it's really inescapable to like if you're like on social media or like I said, going to work even or like on the bus, like you might get asked those questions. But it's just so personal. It's like the assumption being made that all of us are going to believe in this system is pretty it's a problem. It's just a problem. <laughs> it's not necessary. I get, I understand the intention. I lied to my grandmother today when she, I came in, she said, did you vote yesterday? And I said, yes, because we're just not going to have that dialogue with an 85 year old about, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. And I, and I think that like, that's part of it too. I, I definitely pick and choose who I like share that information to. Obviously this is going to be on iTunes and stuff. Um, but I don't have to like answer to everyone who listens. So that's really great. That's really great. Like, and mind you, I loved American history. There's so many, I don't think about it though. It's really an unconscious thing and not in a way that's like, I don't want to hear about it. Like I said, I'm really tapped into politics, just not that version. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense, not like partisan or mainstream American government stuff. Yeah. So what do you think it means to be American? Mm. Damn. Well, I think we had a conversation. I don't know if this was recorded, but we had a brief conversation about like the problematics of the term American. Mm-hmm. Like which kind? Because there's yeah. a couple of continents. <laughs> exactly. like, you know, um, so to be a North American, I think it looks. I think it means that you are you are identify as, you know, a benefactor of what the United States may bring, you know, whether that's like in benefactor kind of, it has a definitely not, it doesn't sound negative. Um, But depending on who you are, like my, you know, my oppression brings a lot of white folks privilege. So, I mean, it, it means a lot to a lot of different people. For me, it means that I am the, descendant of native american and black folks who resisted by surviving i don't even know if i agree with many of my ancestors choices like i often think if i was going through the middle passage what i would could i have been one of the you know ancestors who jumped shit because i don't know i don't like the idea of like being held captive but i respect those who did and like i mean they're the reason that i'm here so i think it i think to be an american for me would be like resisting and like being active in not just reform, but revolution and making sure that the people that come after us in Native American tradition and in indigenous African tradition, that we respect those that come after us by taking care of the planet and getting our shit together. Not that I'm the cause of it though. Cause I'm always like, when I say us, I'm like, actually it's not me. It's y'all, it's the other. <laughs> so I think that's what it means to be an American in short, in yeah. short. But it is a super complicated term in the sense of, yeah, um, like when I studied abroad in Ireland, mm-hmm. everybody in Europe, or at least in that country, yeah. they would talk about the United States as America. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think they understood or recognized or paid attention to the fact that America, it's not, it's not singular, it's a plural. There's, like you said, multiple consonants, three, and they... They really just would say, oh, in America. Yeah. We call it the States. Yeah. It was very interesting to me. Yeah, that language is is super loaded. And that perception is, it's like America and then the other folks. Yeah. Well, and then my my sister lives in India. 
-hmm. And for a while she was teaching at this boarding school there. And one of the classes I was working with at Otis was working with a local elementary school. And we were sending video and photo back and forth between the two schools mm-hmm. and trying to collaborate with the kids. Mm-hmm. And my sister looks like me. We're twins, mm-hmm. blonde hair, blue eyed. She was living in a really rural place in India. So uh, they hadn't had a lot of interaction with white people. and But they also hadn't had a lot of interaction with Americans or foreigners. So they just thought everybody in America looked like my sister. And when she sent them photos of the kids from Otis and the kids from the elementary school, who was like absolutely every race included, they they were like, what? That's, yeah. I thought everybody looked like you. Right. Yeah. Totally. No, I'm like, and none of the pictures or whatever footage could really represent like a true American because like, what does that word even mean? Like that word doesn't fully, it can't accurately describe like a person from the United States. Like I'm in a Spanish class and I think Americanos is not like a translation for like people from the United States, which I think is very interesting though. Like many people are like, Oh, that's an American. Like I'm an American. Like, because also people just like, are like everything in Spanish is a cognate, but like, there's a, it's specifically like the United, it's not America. It's Estados Unidos. Exactly. You know, like the way other languages pick up on like what it means to be like, it will be interesting to like ask people who are not citizens of America or who have never lived in America. Like, what is an American? Like that question is so unanswerable. And I think that yeah. that's like perfect. Like the kid, like students in India being like, huh? Like actually what? Y'all all can't be Americans, right? <laughs> huh? But I think some of that is the mm-hmm. problematic results of how our um, entertainment media represents. Oh my God, totally. Right? Yeah. Definitely. If all of our culture that gets exported is white culture. Yeah. That's all they see. And I'm, I've never been abroad, which I'm looking to do definitely. Not even to Canada? Not even to Canada. What is up with that? And my family is so well-traveled. I, I, I've been, once again, most of the 50 states. I think I'm at, at 40. Like, but that's literally. like a lot more than a lot of other people. Which is way more than a lot of other people but I'm not I've never been out the states um and outside of the states and I'm interested in that my my current partner lived in Ghana during their formative years I guess that would be and just like that and and they've traveled many other places and they're like I mean, man, but they're also Southside Chicagoans and identify as Southside Chicagoans, which is really important. Um, And they're always like, yeah, like it's such a different, it's such an important experience, especially because Southside Chicago is so specific. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something I want to experience because I'm sure it would help me just like traveling to LA help, you know, me build the the language to talk about my experience as a Southside Chicago Chicago and it really fortified that that identity for me I know that traveling abroad would do that even more you know yeah Um, so yeah is there anything else you can think of you want to talk about that we haven't touched on I think we have talked about so much I think after we hang up I'm going to be like wow 
Like, I'm going to have to do some journaling. I'm currently, like, writing a, a, I would say that it's, it's a pretty autobiographical zine slash artist book um, that I'm, every second I get, I'm either thinking about it or, you know, working through it. And I'm like, there's so much content that I haven't even really, without you asking those questions or someone asking me these questions, I wouldn't be thinking about. So no, no questions, but I, I definitely have a lot of inspiration. (laughs) Go work on this book. Okay. I have one last question then. Um, Yes. What are you fearful of and what are you hopeful for? I am fear because I'm like, uh, I'm definitely not fearless. I'm definitely fearless adjacent though. Mm -hmm. I will say that. (laughs) I've been through a lot of bullshit. So that will do it for you. But I'm very hopeful. Uh, I'm because it's really hard for me to think about fear. So I'm going to flip it and then I'm going to, I'm going to answer the first. I am hopeful for people in this nation and globally to believe in themselves enough to really make some change happen. I'm like, Hey, we've been doing the same thing for a long time. We can kind of shake some stuff up, you know, get over ourselves and be fearless enough or not even fearless because like we're human so that's like a that's gonna happen like I'm gonna be afraid of a bear like comes out of nowhere like I'm you're going to see me really afraid but you know to like have the confidence to one be sweet to each other I practice radical sweetness that's a really big part of my everyday I'm like "Mm, when in doubt be sweet unless you require me to be sour um be sweet to one another and like yeah, I don't believe in relying on broken systems. Like, just making, having that faith in yourself to, like, really dig deep and form your own opinions and, like, build community and, like, be nice to each other. I'm really hopeful for that. And my fear, I guess, would be that that doesn't happen. Mm. <laughs> just like, that would be terrible if, you know, people were still shooting up shit and you know also the binary my fear is that the binary exists by the time I have kids I'm like Mm -hmm. what the fuck that's crazy people are still doing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and patriarchy I think just like terrible systems never falling and people not believing in themselves enough to break those systems and uh, I want to say I see a lot of a lot about like the racists are dying off. And I'm like, well, I was just sitting in a classroom with the, with the white supremacists earlier today. I don't know about that one. I think that that's like my, my biggest thing is that people are not going to believe in themselves or not believe in e- ourselves, you know, enough to, to resist those things and not be complicit in them. Cause it is scary. It is scary to like, not believe. I mean, I would say like, believing in government is really close it's it's a it's a belief so it's very important to people and it's up there with religion it's up there with like I don't know the other things people are really passionate about that people would die for so I I think that if we and I'm not saying turn your back on the you know be an expat or move and I don't not an anarchist I don't identify that way 
But I just truly hope that people can can go out on a, a whim and organize. And I see people doing that every day. So there's so much to be hopeful for because I see even like people who voted are doing it. We're doing it right now by having this conversation. It's like mm-hmm. talk to one another, be nice. What the fuck? It's not that hard. Truly. I'm just, I'm frustrated. More than I'm fearful, I'm like fresh. I get really, really upset. And then I'm like, I need to do something nice. And I like watch a Bob's Burger, Bob's Burgers episode (laughs) and eat my vegan ice cream sandwich from Trader Joe's. That's the way I do it (laughs) every day. I'm like, that is my self-care. Did you participate in, or have you participated in the Black Lives Matter movement? I think, I think, yes because i'm black which is like a mm, is that a real is that a real answer jada Mina? and i'm like i think so um i think i mean i've definitely said it i uh i did i led a protest um at saic yeah my second year um called black and bruised but it was definitely part of the black lives matter movement because it was the same so many black people have been killed. So I don't even know what year, like what hashtag black yeah. person it was. And I hate, I know I, I talk very like bluntly. I'm a Sagittarius to a fault. And I just am like, I don't know how to bullshit. So like a lot That's of black people died that you. year. <laughs> I mean, like every year. And I was very upset and very like young in my resistance practices for sure. And I think that a lot of my formation of this is the way, this is how resistance looks was because of the Black Lives Matter movement. And yeah, just to be Black in America right now, while that hashtag is, like it it exists, it's a living hashtag, it will outlive me, you know, like it it just truly will. I I think that I'm a part of that discourse for sure, but I definitely like purposely placed myself within that. Mm. Um, Because like Black Lives Matter has been co-opted I would say by the left and supported by the left and I do not identify as a leftist because I'm like I don't participate I want that I'm like there's no title for it I'm just me I'm Jada Amina like I don't want that because I don't agree with everything that the left I just can't honestly say that I am that I think that it gets once again messy for me to say like I wholly identify as a Black Lives Matter person because there's an entire politic behind it. And I don't even know the ins and outs of that, you know, but I know that I believe in the hashtag. Like, it's a true-ass statement, and I will say it to the day I die because it's true. What the fuck? Like, it, it's just true. But I don't, because, you know, it's a hashtag. It's a way of life for many people. It's a mode of resisting. It's like, this is truly a network. And when something's that big, I'm like, yes, I'm a part of it. But it's not something that there are actual people who are like, Black Lives Matter is my politic. And I know that gets lost in like a lot of liberal stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I just don't know about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You already defined yourself, right? Black, Southside Chicagoan. Chicagoan. Them, Two Spirit. You know, those are the, those are the like add ons. Yeah. Um, but definitely a black South Side Chicagoan, and that's my politic. Sweetness is my religion, and that's it. That's, those are the only things I know. That's awesome. The only thing I know. Data Amina, this has been a really great conversation. Thank I love you. reconnecting with you, and I'm really grateful for you participating in this. 
Thank you for asking me, Michelle. It's been way too long. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this conversation. It just did so many things for my brain. I'm, I'm running, things are running through my mind. Awesome.